Many of you are familiar with the catechumenate program here at St. John's. It is the series of classes comprised of brief teachings and small group discussion that get folks ready for a variety of ways to enter life at St. John's and the church at large. Whether folks just want to know a bit more about us or the wider Episcopal church, or they're really called to participate in a sacramental rite, baptism, confirmation, reception, reaffirmation of their baptismal vows. All of those happen at the great vigil of Easter, which is spectacular with the bishop present. Catechumenate is a time of questioning and deep theological conversation, community building, and formation. St. John's has held a catechumenate course for decades. It started in the 1990s under Dean Kiblinger, and many of the priests who have served here in the intervening years have taken this very model with them to the parishes they've moved on to serve. Catechumenate is an ancient way of forming Christians. And here at St. John's, it is a time-honored tradition. And it's proven to be the fertile soil, producing many lasting friendships and strong lay leaders for this community. Richard and I have been tweaking the structure a little bit this year. We will not be starting the formal catechumenate until January, so there is still time. Please join us if any of that sounded interesting to you. We've met a few times with folks since September to discuss a book we are using, one Broderick introduced us to, a people called Episcopalians. It's a concise yet detailed look at what we believe and some of the aspects of our tradition that make us unique. Just before the holidays, we gathered to explore what's been my favorite chapter so far, temperament. Who are we as a people? How do we move through the world and how do we encounter both the sacred and the secular through our particular Episcopal lens. It takes into account multiple topics, including intuition, aesthetics, politics, ambiguity, and more. And some of those are not mutually exclusive. The point we kept returning to in our discussion of temperament was our foundation in the via media the middle way. Early Anglican theologians embraced this notion of moderation between the Protestant reformers and Catholicism. Moderation was viewed as a strength over the inherent weaknesses of extremism. Episcopalians still seek out that middle ground. 
and find strength and virtue in holding two seemingly opposing things in tension. Recognizing that two things can be true at once. Holding that tension between the secular and the sacred. Advent calls us to do this very thing to explore and live in this middle ground. On the one hand, we face the practicalities and realities of the looming Christmas season. Richard reminded us last Sunday that we will have barely finished cleaning up the Thanksgiving dishes before we're planning our Christmas meal. And on the other hand, we want to embrace the contemplative and quiet anticipation that is Advent. Thoughts of Jesus' return, the vigilance of preparation, the anticipation of the coming of the light of the world. We have candle lighting, we have special prayers, and we have worship like our service of healing and wholeness this Wednesday in the chapel. As Episcopalians, we are better suited by our temperament, I would think, than many to hold these two realities in tension. We've got a good and healthy dose of both Martha and Mary in us. The attention to hosting and preparing balanced with moments of sitting at Jesus' feet. In the gospel lesson for today, our first foray into our year of Matthew, hold on to your hats, we hear Jesus say no fewer than five times, about that day and hour, no one knows. If the angels in heaven and the Son of Man himself do not know the day nor the hour of his return, we cannot expect to know. We are simply to be prepared. Just as the people were eating and drinking and marrying in the days of Noah, and just as laborers are working in the field and women were grinding meal, We are also to keep doing the work of living while we wait. If we were to sit up every night, keeping vigil over our home, watching our doors and being hyper-attentive to every creak and groan of a floorboard while waiting for that possible thief to enter, we're going to find ourselves quickly incapable of functioning. This level of alertness is unsustainable. Instead, we might have deadbolts on our door. We might have outside lights to illuminate vulnerable areas. We may even have an alarm system. We are vigilant and wise, but we are not paranoid and paralyzed. 
We hold in tension the practical with the preparation. As a young mother of three small children, I would sometimes find myself lost in the midst of the fourth load of laundry that day, or picking up toys for the umpteenth time that day, or doing some other repetitive task. And I love my children, don't mistake me, but I would often find myself thinking that my college degree was looking less and less useful by the moment. How to find joy, purpose, and inspiration in the midst of the mundane daily tasks required of stay-at-home motherhood. I was definitely struggling at times. And a dear friend and spiritual mentor shared with me a small book that I have grown to love, The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was not a stay-at-home mom, but he was a 17th century French Carmelite monk who developed a simple way of praying from his heart, which he called practicing the presence of God. And he learned to commune with God continuously, not only in church or personal devotions, but also as he worked in the kitchen, as he ran errands or listened to people. In his own words, Brother Lawrence said, the time of business does not differ for me with the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great a tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the blessed sacrament. So yes, laundry can be holy when we invite God into it. Sounds a lot like Advent, doesn't it? An embodiment of that Martha and Mary tension in the midst of the reality of our over-busyness in December. Take time to acknowledge the balancing act and invite God in. That is vigilance. You choosing a hostess gift for a holiday party? Say a prayer of thanksgiving for the blessing of good friends and the opportunity for fellowship. Are you wrapping gifts? Pray for each person specifically as you cut the paper and tie the ribbon. Are you planning your holiday menus? Lift up your gratitude for the bounty of the earth and the means to put food on the table. Or perhaps you are feeling lonely, as so many do, in the midst of so much forced celebration. Pour out your heart to our loving God, the comfort of all who sorrow and the strength of all who suffer. Advent and Christmas 
need not be incompatible, my friends. I bristle at those who would make us feel guilty. You need not feel guilty about attending to the practical and the spiritual. The via media, that middle way of moderation and a balanced life is what we are called to, preparing both outwardly and inwardly, and always holding in tension the reality of our present and looking toward our hope.